quick pre-show note this is a weird effing episode um i it's kind of a joke because i'm trying to just make stuff to distract you guys because everyone's so stressed out and like i know it's a crazy time and like you want to be distracted by something that's not talking about the coronavirus um so i kind of took an idea and ran with it in terms of me joking on instagram about doing an episode about dipping sauces and then i had such a response i was like oh okay i'll do it like let's just see how long i can talk about dipping sauces answer one hour um but i try to weave in like some history personal anecdotes some needlessly detailed description of like mid-atlantic white queso you know the important stuff well far far way before stassi schroeder ever took credit for ranch I was on it, and I have opinions, and I need to share them. And honestly, it felt like a great time to do so. So if this is like, if you're brand new to the podcast, maybe don't start here. Um, This is not normal for really anyone in general, but certainly not me. And uh, for those of you that just want to have fun, welcome distraction. I hope you like this episode. Uh, Thank you, as always, for being encouraging of my nonsensical tangents. It's where I thrive. I had a great time. I'm very hungry now. But more importantly, I just want to be a uh, source of uh, joy and distraction and an otherwise unsettling time. And I hope you enjoy this episode. But don't also stop listening because of it, because I will produce better quality content later this week. Okay, love you. Hope you're ever taken by the AOE spirit like I was on this lovely Sunday. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in 5 podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. You know, I made a joke yesterday that you know, people had asked me if I was going to be podcasting podcasting more often, given the times we're in. And like, absolutely, if, if you want to hear from me, I'll podcast. I can't guarantee the quality <laughs> or the editing, um, but I'm at least going to try to do two times a week. And I said, well, you need to tell me what you want to hear about. Otherwise, I'll just podcast about dipping sauces. now. Uh, when I tell you the positive feedback on that topic was alarmingly high, that's how I know we're truly in a crisis. And, you know, challenge accepted. When I dip, you dip, we dip. I I wanted to see if I could take an, a super random topic that nobody could possibly talk out, talk about for an hour and, like, thread through different thoughts about them in a way that's not boring Uh, Maybe it's educational, maybe it's nostalgic, maybe it makes you hungry. Um, But all I'm really trying to do is just distract you from any worries you may have in this incredibly uncertain time. Thanks to everybody doing their part. Um, You know, I think that what's tricky right now is people, it's the same thing of what drives me mad during a hurricane. Um, People will completely inaccurately project some outcome of some previous natural disaster and what they should do in preparing for the next one. And um, people get some sort of hollow satisfaction out of being, uh, out of almost a preemptive, I told you so moment if they feel things are overhyped. It's not about hype. It's not about being cool. It's not about being woke. It's not about being on a high horse. It's not about shaming. It's about science. It's about statistics. It's about flattening the curve to minimize cases in terms of something we already know is highly contagious to spread them out over a longer period of time at a lesser level than to have a spike that will overwhelm our health care system and thus put those that are already ill at risk by trying to add on the newly ill within their limited bandwidth. Um, it's a small price to pay to keep your community safe. And I, anytime anyone's having trouble relating to a situation that feels too distant from them, I always urge you to, you know, practice active empathy almost and to, imagine like visualize a scenario in which your loved one was you know whether they were like giving birth or had cancer or had another illness or needed some sort of medical treatment for another issue and they were the ones being shoved out and rejected in favor of people with this temporary illness they contracted at a saint patrick's day bar crawl for example um i just think that like we need to really put ourselves in the situation of like what if you're like your parents are vulnerable right like Older people, people with compromised immune systems, like these are all the things we know. Wash your hands, blah, blah, blah. I don't I don't like the influencer soapbox. I think you're all smart, and I think you all know exactly what you should be doing. And I just wanted to say I appreciate those of you that are already doing that. 
And for those that aren't, that's, you know, just make the next day, make the right decision. And um, I think it's just like one of those instances where you see that a visual that people are posting of the match in terms of you light a bunch of matches, all the matches in a row will light on fire, but you remove one match, the connector, and it saves the rest of the matches down the line. And I think that those are like, pow- that's powerful imagery in terms of, I think it's, it is really hard to conceptualize um, the danger of these things and when the numbers are low and they don't seem that bad you can convince yourself that um you know there's like a conspiracy at play people are overreacting da, 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 hysteria and it's like no we're not pretending something's there that's not we're trying to not get to the point where we're on full wuhan level lockdown like it's like making fun of somebody for locking the door before they get robbed you know it's like oh, you really thought somebody was going to ransack your house. It's so embarrassing. It's like, well, no, why wouldn't I mitigate risk? It, it, ugh, it's utter nonsense. I don't want to focus too much on it because I know everyone's talking about it and I'm not here to um, add to the stress whatsoever. I'm, I'm here to entertain. And if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know, for me, especially given St. Patrick's Day weekend, it is uh, hardly a hurdle for me to forego uh, being bought shots that tend to curdle. So, you know, I didn't miss much. Hope you all didn't either. Anyway, back to dipping sauces. I think, like, we could really go full aioli to Zaxby's here. I think that there's a lot of ground to cover, and I think it's going to be hard at times to delineate, you know, am I talking about dip? Am I talking about sauce? Am I talking about condiments? These are all different things and different um, require different serving agents. And, you know, I, I'm not a purist in this realm. Um, I don't know a ton about the food or the science behind food or how you balance ingredients. Honestly, I just I, I pour salt in my mouth. Um, so really, I'm, I'm far from a tastemaker. Uh, and I know things definitely vary regionally depending on which chains and places you like. So Please factor in nuance. Give me uh, some space to just exercise a hugely subjective input here as it relates to dipping sauces. The The world is but a, a dipping sauce and everything else is just a vehicle of transport. I would, my culinary philosophy centers on what can I dip it in or spread on it. Um, and, you know, all that's offensive to most chefs and is kind of the... Uh, you know, it's a little less uh, French laundry, Thomas Keller, and a little bit more um, French dip at the Arby's. You know, if you call it, call it an au jus, it's for, you know, call me a francophile because I will be dipping my roast beef in said jus. Um, I was trying to figure out, okay, how do I separate? When am I talking about a sauce or a condiment or dip or whatever? And one Alton Brown suggests that a dip is defined on its ability to maintain contact with its transport mechanism over three feet of white carpet. And when I tell you this is upsetting, um, it's the understatement of the year because then what the hell do I call perhaps the most perfect dip of all time that is kind of the nexus of my interest in dips, which is, in my experience, pretty specific to mid-Atlantic Mexican restaurants, which is the, you know, hugely inauthentic uh widely under leveraged in other parts of the United States, questionably made um, potion of the gods. And that is a super drippy, watery white queso. My God. You know, guys, it's a crime amongst humanity uh, that more places don't serve this in the Midwest. I've really had a time in the Midwest trying to get my mitts on some white queso. And I, but, but I, I don't want queso fundido. I want watery. I want liquid. I want runny. There is nothing in my life I would ever say, great, but make it runny. We don't want a runny nose. I don't want a runny faucet. I don't want runny eggs. My God, no. But when it comes to queso, I want a viscosity that is so low. You're like, do you want some cheese with that water? I want the proper elegance of a melted White American cheese, preferably Land O'Lakes White American Food Service Extra Melt Engineered Cheese for melting and holding well, mixed with green chilies, mixed with pickled jalapenos, mixed with paprika, cayenne pepper, some salt pepper, maybe some cumin if I'm feeling wild. I want it slow and low and melty and to truly have the elegance that only that of a faucet could have in terms of its uncontrollable leakage. 
It's never going to last three feet across the carpet on his vehicle of choice, per Elton Brown's suggestion of a proper dip. God, no. Honestly, if it lasts more than three inches once it's outside of its receptacle, I don't want it. I don't want the cheese dip to resemble cheese in the same way I don't want wine to represent grapes. It's better. It's processed. It's thinner. It goes down smoother. It makes you feel some type of way that more often than not leaves you feeling better off than before embrace the elegance. I just don't think there's really a lot of ways you can be sitting across from somebody and be eating super runny cheese dip, you know, and try to aim for a soft landing in your mouth that goes without the fuel dripping. It's just, it's not a possibility in this life. And honestly, should you be so lucky to be breaking bread in prime suburbia at an inauthentic Mexican restaurant that almost has an appropriative design to it, um, that I can only assume is a stone's throw from your nearest Simon shopping center and hopefully like a megaplex size Barnes and Noble, maybe a Michaels if you're really lucky, a Ross dress for less if, you know, the, the retail leases in your town aren't doing great. And, uh, you know, to be sitting there eating such an important food, uh, despite it not being the most becoming food to eat that will inevitably get everywhere and, you know, does require you to do the sushi uh, bite in which, you know, you do have to put the entire chip in your mouth and bite it in one fell swoop, almost to a point where the acoustics your mouth creates from such a broad bite of a flat chip that is larger than the size of your mouth results in, you know, a, a sonic conclusion that anyone with misophonia would consider that of a torture chamber. But I, for one, think the uh, mouth megaphone that is created by an oversized mouth chip, you know, completely covered in queso and taken in one bite at a Mexican restaurant. For me, it's a real melody of comfort and familiarity and deliciousness. And when washed down with a margarita that is so inappropriately large um, that truly could serve as a small dunk tank for my face... I just, I've never been happier. I love a murky red marbled cup that's only similar to that of the ones you had at Pizza Hut after, you know, reading, quote, I'm using finger quotes, reading six books, filling up your book at pin, going to a Pizza Hut, having that, you know, pellet aerated lawn ice in a tall red glass. I just get some fresh Dr. Pepper. My God, there's nothing like it. I'd argue a, a fountain soda next to a margarita the size of your face, next to a warm bowl of Runny queso with the elegance and unpredictability and spray factor of Bridal Veil Falls is really, it doesn't get much better than that in life. And during these trying times, I wish for myself that comfort. And I hope those of you that are in suburban areas, I, I keep saying mid-Atlantic because the only time I've ever been presented with white runny queso consistently has been when I lived in, in and around Virginia. When I lived in New York, I couldn't find it. In Chicago, I can't find it. When I lived in San Francisco, I couldn't find it. Southern California is like the Mexican food is so good because it's authentic, but they're not going to go anywhere near Land O'Lakes, White American. You know, and I love cotilla cheese. I love Oaxaca cheese. I love I love actual like Mexican food, too. But it's something about this dip that I think I ate so much of growing up as a picky eater that just like will forever warm my heart. And I look forward to the days when it lines my stomach. And I'm sorry, I just talked about that for six minutes. Um, the other one I feel passionate about that I should get out of the way Uh I mean, it's it's hard because Stasi Schroeder tries to act like she invented it. But way before Vanderpump Rules, there were short pump rules. And I grew up in short pump. And, you know, picture me at a sports banquet for, you know, some sport my brother was doing or that one year I made cheerleading for some reason. But I think it's because she was my neighbor, the coach. Um, I was at a Golden Corral. I was maybe 11 or 12. Uh, I remember thinking to myself, did food exist before I took this bite of iceberg lettuce? What am I eating? This, uh, I, there, okay, there were two occasions. One, my dad had knee surgery. And soon after, when he was kind of mobile, we went to this place near Virginia Center Commons, which I'd love to see now. I read, back then, it was a hotbed for stores like Rave and Deb, which, if you're familiar, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, I'd, I'd be very interested to see where it is now if it's still open. But anyway, there was a restaurant called the Spaghetti Warehouse. You know, well, I give it a real C minus for naming in terms of it just being a little too on the nose, a little too straightforward. Like, hey, let's call our restaurant the Taco Logistics Center. You know, um, it had this ranch that like blew my mind. 
And it was one of the first times I ate ranch. And for me growing up, uh, I was pretty much a purist as it related to salad bars only, um, which, you know, to even talk about a salad bar in this time of germophobia is, it's dark. I mean, I did how careless we all once were, you know, with those ladles. But I think back on having ranch at the spaghetti warehouse. I loved it so much. I couldn't stop thinking about it. The next week, I went downstairs, asked my dad if we could go back to the spaghetti warehouse. But I was saying it kind of like as a joke. But I was also like really excited because I liked it so much. And I kept talking about this ranch almost in like an annoying way. And I remember this because I sat on his knee that he just had surgery on. And he was trying, he was so nice and trying to act like he wasn't hurt, but like, you know, and I will never forget it. I felt awful. And, um, I thought that the only reason I'm telling you that is because that's how I remember when I had ranch for one of the first times because I resisted sauces of all kind being a picky eater growing up. I just was very exclusive to like the butter noodles of it all. Um, my poor mother. Uh, meanwhile, like the kids now like eat sushi in preschool. I'm like, what? You're having uni? That's like literal Zam, like Nickelodeon Gak, the brand of like Nickelodeon um, texture play goo that people would get if their parents wouldn't let them use z- gat because it would grease your wall was this stuff called zand and uni which is sea urchin is literal zand and it's good if it's good but like it's a tough texture and i've seen like full-on toddlers just like housing you know a toro hand roll and i'm like good for you skylar i just i i would never i still am touch and go as it relates to fish but um Anyways, I just remember that those types of incidents helped me, like, place the timing. Um, Similarly, I went to a cheerleading banquet, and it was at a Golden Corral. I haven't been to a Golden Corral in a while. At the time, um, it was fresh off of a salmonella outbreak, or maybe it was right before. At one point, the Golden Corrals did have salmonella and norovirus. But I actually, I think this was before, because I was approaching the salad bar with some pretty reckless abandon. It was the ranch is gold. The rest of the experience, I'd say, is bronze at best. But I, um, from that point on, I realized salad bars were my jam, and I would make it my duty in life to ensure everywhere I went had all I needed. And all I needed was Christmas hell iceberg lettuce, ladles of ranch, and maybe some bacon mitts if I was feeling fancy and needed the protein. Honestly, it's disgusting. I mean, I still love it. It's essentially a wedge salad without the blue cheese. Um, But like, I would get away with it being like, I want salad. I need some leafy greens. But I would just literally eat cups of ranch. And then like teenage rage cry when somebody would make fun of me and be like, oh, you want some salad with that dressing? It's like, okay. At one point in the early 2010s when everyone was blogging and I was like, I should start a blog. I have impeccable style. I'm going to call it dressing on the side because I love to have my dressings on the side and I love to dress myself on the side. And honestly, I still think it's a clever name and I think somebody took it. But just imagine instead of talking shit about me on Reddit as be there in five, you could be talking shit about me as DOTS. Lance Dots up to today. Oh, God. Talking about sauce again. Let me just get through this and we can move on. Um, all I ask for in a ranch dressing is uh, to use the packet, right? I think we all know this. I know a lot of people think Hidden Valley is great. I think Hidden Valley is awful. I, I think Kraft is awful. I think most bo- bottled dressings outside of Lighthouse, which is the premier dilly garlicky ranch, I think so that's store-bought in my opinion. I don't F with things that are shelf stable. It needs to come from the refrigerated section. And it needs to be inflated to the point where it is at least $5. I'll F with the Marie's. I love a Lighthouse. Um, if, I, I, I'm touch and go with Ken's, but when it comes to ranches, the best case scenario is restaurant bought because they are using food service powder mixed with some sort of dairy. And the fuller fat dairy, the better. Obviously, a buttermilk is superior, a whole milk, anything that is cream based, a sour cream incorporation, a mayonnaise. Everybody picks their poison. I know what you're thinking, food providers of the world. You're like, Kate, as a you know, effect, or is your name Melody because you're all up in this ranch? And <laughs> that's the only character I know from Hey Dude, Christine Taylor, RIP her and Ben Stiller's marriage. Um, it, who? What's another character on that show? Can't think of one. Hey Dude, it's a little wild and a little strange. Something, something out on the range. That was a good show. Um, anyway, if if you own or operate of some sort of third-party vendor that does serve dipping sauces and you're wanting my input for 
how to operate with integrity, you use the packet. And Hidden Valley's packet is perfectly adequate, uh, which is store-bought for, you know, the rest of us. But for people in the, the game of Big Batch Ranch, um, I was having this discussion, a fruitful discussion with my sister-in-laws. You know, the more I hear in-law stories, my in-laws are so lovely and delightful and fun. And Greg has three younger sisters, and they're each funnier than the next. And I love them. And um, yeah. one of the things I can sit down and talk to them about at length is like, we we were like at his dad's retirement party, sitting by ourselves, discussing how we felt the correlation between ranch quality and price point was that as price point goes down at a restaurant, the ranch taste goes up. And their theory was this is attributed mostly to the packet of Gordon Food Service ranch seasoning, which is delicious and affordable. And if the food you buy is lower cost, you're going to buy the packet and not like the pre-made liquid, right? I thought it actually made a ton of sense. And it was a fruitful conversation that I've really thought through because there is a type of venue that just has this outstanding ranch, but the rest of their food isn't that great, but you drench it in the ranch and it's fine. Truly. And I don't, you know, I, I'm going to get emails from people that work in restaurants that are probably going to agree or strongly disagree with what I'm saying. I have no idea. I just need, you know, people to listen to this to not come for the facts i need people to come for hot takes with cold feet that i rescind half of by the time the episode's over you know people want a podcast with a strong and unwavering opinion what can i say but um no the uh i think the other piece of this too is when i speak passionately about food i'm rarely speaking passionately about like my you know more adventurous culinary experiences throughout life which have been delightful uh but I think I can I can speak more easily with conviction in terms of the more sensory, simple times in my life when I just didn't know that there was more or better. And I almost get find a lot of humor in me, you know, parked outside of a high school football game concession stand with a classic Schwann's overbreaded, you know, crispy chicken tender dunked in a Gordon Food Service packet based buttermilk ranch and thinking I made it. This, <laughs> this is as good as it's going to get. And that, that to me is what I channel and anything creatively that I do. I love the blinders and the narrow beauty of being lost in a moment that by and large, the rest of the world would find trivial, borderline tasteless, perhaps even gauche. But to you, it's incredibly impactful. I try to channel that girl and not the jaded pretentious monster I've become that won't even sneeze out a shelf stable ranch, for example. And I guess I just encourage anybody out there who's like in these trying times, who's really struggling to figure, find their place in terms of what they look for in, in, a, in, a, in a dressing that serves as a so much more than a dressing that is ideal for wings, is ideal for pizza, is ideal not only on an iceberg lettuce, but really any lettuce except for spinach or kale. For some reason, ranch doesn't quite translate there, but Caesar does. Um, if you today are struggling with your ranch preferences, I just want to challenge you, um, you know, don't go to the store now, but, you know, when this all passes, to go make it from a packet and see what happens. Watch magic ensue. And for the love of God, skydive, Rocky Mountain Climb, 2.7 seconds, bull name Fu Manchu. Live like you're dying. Life is short. Do not opt for low fat alternatives. This is a side. It's a, it's not the full meal. Like, just, just, you know, Greek yogurt let's eat greek yogurt in in less dire times okay i just don't really understand low fat alternatives in a time of high stress i'm not encouraging unhealthy habits but i am encouraging joy and um you know let's let's at least have our dipping sauces be thick while our skin is so paper paper thin i feel like my takes are getting hotter i have i'm on my third glass of wine I'm acting like I don't know what to do, and I'm just like beside myself because I'm inside. I, guys, I would not have left this weekend normally. Like, <laughs> it's gonna be fine. I think what's daunting is the thought of doing this for so long. But like, when you know you can do it again at your like you know your own pace, your own will, it's like it's so different. Um, but we really haven't been doing much for too long. I really feel for people with kids, people that are restless, people that need to exert energy. I mean, my young son tugboat, you know, he's, he's running in circles. He's lost his damn mind. 
Um, I've had to re-record this 12 times because he was barking at what he thought was a remnant of a chicken wing, but it is in fact a, a paintbrush. We're all going a little crazy, but this is this is merely the beginning. So I don't know much and I can't help much, but I don't know. I could go on on about ranch. Um, but, you know, Stasi didn't invent it. A lot of us love it. A lot of it's not that good. I think it hugely depends. I still own the ra- the website ranchrank.com. It was supposed to be a Yelp for dipping sauces. I still might do it. I just need somebody who will build it out of equity and that I don't have to pay. What you know I want to pay is to work with women and pay them. So I try to actively not pursue things that are on an equity basis because uh, it, it eats my soul. But unfortunately, when you're in a building phase, you can't always do that. I have so many freaking domains. Maybe I'll build out some of these businesses during this downtime. Um, it's like, I, I, I wish I was in a position to just put money toward things in people that I want to build and invest in other women, especially in STEM, uh, trades and have them build the stuff I want to like start, build, sustain, pass off. Like that's like, I, I feel like it's funny because I moved more to the content piece because it, it's more, it's like my soul and inspiration and like I feel like what I can add value to is more involved in like the written and spoken creative space than the business ownership space. But like in my perfect world, I'd be like a serial entrepreneur. I just don't want to be a long-term business owner of one thing. But, like, to be an investor and to be an entrepreneur, you, like, need money. And I built the first one with literally nothing, and which worked. But it was exhausting, and it took over my entire life. Now I want to be the person that, like, sits back, runs a bunch of stuff, and just dumps money into it. But it's money that's, like, actually contributing to the world in some way, and at least in people's, like, careers, right? I just am obsessed with, like, the fact that, I mean, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I can't kick too hard. I'm, like, about to go into venture capital tangent. Imagine, like, placing bets on, like, businesses and lives and and infusing things with money where 99% of them don't work because 1% pays off the 99. That's so fucking crazy to me that you take that many bets. Just having that money and that ability to do so is just, like, it's fascinating to me. But anyway, I meant to give you a little background, too, because I do want this to be educational. Ranch came on the shelves in 1992, just to give you a frame of reference. I came to it in roughly 1996 or 7, um, which is probably by the time I went to salad bars. Um, I do think it would be interesting, and I will not pursue this now in your best interest, to, mm, you know, Weird Al rewrite Toby Keith's I Love This Bar to be about salad bars. Because they are my kind of place, but this climate, I don't think it's... My best, you know, in in any of our best interest uh, to explore that which is a cesspool. But, you know, I do think it's important. 1992 is the official year when Ranch overtook Italian as the best-selling salad dressing in, in the United States. And it's a title that it has held since 1992. I I appreciate an Italian dressing, but it's not one we see as often anymore. The 90s for me were very marked by a zesty Italian. I would dump that on any sort of green my mom tried to give me and as well in pasta salads that sat out for too long and were borderline food unsafe next to the stale country time lemonade at any given picnic that somebody brought a boxed pasta salad to i freaking love pasta salad um hate a potato hate an egg love a pasta uh it 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 took about 40 years for ranch to take over as top in 1992 so it wasn't invented per se but that's when it kind of reached its popularity to where it took the you know the throne that it still now has in america there's a dip genius named steve henson not to be confused with jim henson of the muppet babies steve henson was a plumbing contractor who worked in alaska in remote forests he is the founder of ranch dressing um he perfected this recipe over 40-some years, he and his wife served ranch dressing at a dude ranch that was literally called Hidden Valley that they operated in Santa Barbara. How they got there from Alaska, I don't know, and this recap simply is not giving me the answers I need. But as it relates to what I know of Alaska, which is watching Alaska The Last Frontier, which Jewel the Singer's family is the star of in a reality show about how they're basically subsistence farmers on an Alaskan frontier, they do seem to do pretty well for themselves, so it wouldn't surprise me if they also had a Montecito enclave. Um... 
Anyway, so the Hensons, not Jim, Steve, found success starting with DIY take-home ranch packets uh, to create a Hidden Valley Ranch food products factory. But then Clorox swooped in and bought out Hidden Valley Ranch in 1972 for $8 million. Soon after that Clorox got a hold of it, its buttercream future was bottled and bright, including a non-refrigerated formulation in 1983. I'd curse that year. I mean, but it's the year my sister was born. So while she is a major perk of 83, I'd say shelf-stable ranch is, is a major pit of 1983. Um, the ingredients of this buttermilk-based recipe that went on to become famous for cool ranch flavor variations for this. <laughs> yeah, God, I love quality copywriting. I'm like skimming bullet points and trying to like reword and add my own flair because this is like the most boring story of all time but this one says the buttermilk wait no the snack food industry appropriated the flavor layering its pretzels and chips and corn products with who knows how many quote cool ranch flavor variations for generations of acne ridden teens to gorge on like what (laughs) what Uh, who's acne ridden cool ranch is it's it's not only is it delicious, it's not a core contributor to cystic acne. We all know that that's more hormonal than anything. And, you know, don't blame your lack of face washing and personal hygiene on my delicious dusty powder. I feel like acne-ridden teens is too far. I think that this person calling the snack food industry guilty of appropriating the cool ranch flavor maybe needs to check themselves in terms of making fun of youths that can't control their oil levels in their skin. It's like acne... I, something about the way acne is spoken about is like so 90s, like girl talk board game, red stickers it if like your your crush Brad didn't like you. Oh, Brad was on Hey Dude. Wow. That's why that name was top of mind. Um, yeah, it's like they really want to take back the narrative of Cool Ranch. Like go get a Stridex pad, d- squirt <laughs> or some other 90s term of endearment. Um, anyway, guys, let's move on, um, to an important sauce that I skim at each and every menu I ever come across for, and, uh, is honestly a product of a rebrand more successful than Ashley Heseltine's rebrand her second year of Russian college when she came back swinging and got into the sorority she knew she was always meant for. (laughs) And that is aioli, which is essentially the ultimate rebrand of mayonnaise, um, also, if you didn't listen to Ashley's episode of the podcast, that's what I'm referring to. It's quite funny. She just like wanted to get in a certain sorority and in true early 2000s fashion, just thought, I will change everything about myself and then I will succeed. It is just kind of funny how like growing up, if I didn't get into something, I would never be like, you're wrong. You're the problem. I'm awesome. I'd be like, nope, I will absolutely overhaul all of this, everything I am, everything I believe in, and I will come back bigger and better than ever against your arbitrary standards that are probably quite problematic, but I do not care because I want to fit in, and that is my priority. That was my battle cry. Um, anyway, back to aioli. You know, when I was reading about aiolis, I'd, I want you to know I did very little research going into this, but it made me laugh because the way aioli was described everywhere I looked was the marriage of garlic and mayonnaise. It would literally be like, when a mommy that's garlic and a daddy that's mayonnaise love each other very much. And I was just like, okay, what is happening? Birds and the bees and the AOEs. Um, but yeah, I guess it is the marriage of garlic and mayonnaise. It's it's tangy. It's delicious. It's origin apparently was to accompany cod, which is interesting. And it's a provincial sauce not to be confused with the provincial life that bell lived in beauty and the beast i i believe that i always thought it was confusing because bell's obviously in france and if you know julia angle from gal meets glam has taught me anything it's that i know what provence looks like not because i've been but because i've seen her travel for the blooms and i don't know basically julia's majority of her life in blog looks like she could be saying bonjour through a window and i'd probably like be like i don't yeah you look like belle you were beautiful and always in a charming village like town with a lot of flowers and fresh baked goods so what's the difference but apparently belle is says provincial life which provincial is different than provençal right provençal is like of provence the region in france actually i think i have been to provence who the hell knows i feel like i'm a hundred 
just <laughs> again, been a long weekend of the status quo. Uh, but provincial means like showing the, it's almost like unsophisticated or like a person that lives in a particular town that's like dense and no d- doesn't know otherwise. Like even if you look up synonyms for it, the hillbilly is like a known synonym of the term provincial. It's kind of like derogatory toward being from a small town. But I, I, I'm, I don't know. I feel like she meant Provencal, not provincial. But I know she didn't, she felt her life was provincial. But if you live in Provence and it's provincial, you know, then why is Julia going? Because she's Gal Meets Glam. Again, she's not Gal Meets Famine. She is not Gal Meets Salmon, you know? Well, I guess here we're talking about cod. Um, this is going off the rails. This is the worst podcast episode I've ever done. <laughs> I'm just trying to distract you. I hope you're distracted. Uh, but anyways, I guess I'm speaking more specifically to a garlic aioli. Um, I love a lot of different aiolis. I'm not, I'm I'm going to try to steer clear of ranking things here. Cause I think that that's unfair to the participants. Uh, it's unfair to your subjective taste as the listener. And it's unfair to me who has a remarkable ability to change my mind at the drop of a hat. Uh, but I do say typically my top contender over a garlic aioli is in fact a chipotle aioli. I love a spicy mayo. And I know those things are interchangeable, but a chipotle aioli just feels a little bit more sophisticated. If I was going to rank, I'd say my preferences lie in one chipotle aioli, two, mm, a garlic, three, mm, and mm, 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 mm. you know, I was going to say a truffle, but it's so 2016. I might go with like a wasabi or a sriracha. Nope, that's pretty much the same as a spicy mayo. And I know that's different than like a, uh, you know, chipotle mayo. Obviously, those are two different types of spices. But I would argue in the restaurant world, as it relates to a spicy mayo side, they kind of use chipotle or sriracha mayo interchangeably, don't you think? Um, trust me, I wouldn't I wouldn't be caught dead mistaking an adobo sauce for a sriracha. But I'll take either when I'm at a third-party vendor. Um I, I like something with a citrus hint. Like, I respect the hell out of a, out of a lemon aioli. Maybe a lime cilantro. Um, I can't have avocados, but I understand a lot of people do that. You know, I, when I entered this conversation, I thought I was going to have a lot more to say about aioli. But I'm uh, sad to report I think that's about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Here's the key. There's a harissa. I, the best turkey burger in Chicago is at the Vig. Don't get the harissa aioli, sub chipotle aioli, but get it on the side and then spread it on each bite of your turkey burger individually. There are two patties. It will last you a dinner and a lunch. Um, and I just would encourage anybody out there who wants to be braver in their ordering, if something comes with aioli on it, get an extra side. You will want to dip your fries in it. And it makes a huge difference. And it's like at that point, if you're already getting a huge ass thing of fries, just get the dipping sauce. I just, I don't know. I don't know if small, that feels nominal at that point. You know what I mean? I will say one of the best aiolis in the biz is uh, there's a garlic aioli at the Restoration Hardware Three Arts Cafe in Chicago. The the like uh, starter of fries is like absolutely outstanding. And I don't know why it's the only aioli that's coming to mind except for the turkey burger at the Vig. But generally speaking, it's pretty hard to mix mess up like garlic and mayonnaise and like add another flavor. So I think it's safe to say aioli is pretty up there on my list. Here's where I get confused. Do I talk about salsas? You know? what's my behavior as I relate to salsa? I prefer Erdes. Um, my pronunciation is garbage. My taste in food is garbage. Please, again, don't judge me for any of this. I'm just having fun. Um, <laughs> I love Erdes Salsa Verde, and I love a sour cream, and I like to mix them, which I know sounds gross, but it's actually quite delicious uh, because I like to have a balance of both on my chip, and I just like to mix them in advance. Um, I don't like a chunky or, like, Tostitos, again, the shelf stability of it all, but it is shelf stable. It's just like thinner and more minced. I do. I like, I tend to like sauces more minced than like chunky. The same goes for while I'll eat a chili, but not a stew. Those are different things. I know that it's like, you can't even look me in the eye or the ear. Uh, I can't eat guacamole. I know this brings a lot of people joy. Unfortunately, I can't add anything to this discussion. I've had it before. I will try it every year or so just to like see what my vibe is. If I'll Thomas J swell up like bees or if I'll just like, you know, look like I got a fresh set of Juvederm and move on. Um, it makes me scratchy. It makes my lips swell a little. It's nothing like that detrimental. I would never die. I would never put myself at risk like that for kicks. Um, I'm sorry for the insensitive Thomas J joke. But if you read Late Riser, my new newsletter, you're aware of what I'm talking about. Um, 
if you want to sign up for Late Riser, it's my newsletter where I'm sharing my long form essays that I write in the middle of the night. Uh, if you go to my website, uh, be there in five.com on the like sidebar, there's like a newsletter sign up form. Um, and also check your spam folder if you didn't get it because I sent it out last Thursday. But anyway, I do think some real estate is due here for the kind of vague, almost Thousand Island-esque sauces that come on burgers at every place where it's proprietary that's all equally delicious. It's kind of like the Big Mac sauce, the Shake Shack sauce, whatever. I would argue that Big Mac sauce, Zaxby's sauce, Shake Shack sauce, and In-N-Out sauce, all very similar. Um, and then I was looking up recipes for them. And there's small differences, but they they all have a similar essence to them and more than deliciousness. So like Zaxby's, for example, I think this might be a Southern chain. I had it for the first time because my sister-in-law's mom made it at a, like a bridal or baby shower or something. And I was like, oh, what is this? And I was never the same. Um, it's mayonnaise, ketchup, garlic powder, Worcestershire sauce, and black pepper. Whereas Big Mac is mayonnaise, relish, mustard, barbecue sauce, apple cider vinegar, garlic powder, onion powder, paprika, salt. So no Worcestershire, add mustard, barbecue, apple cider vinegar is the big difference there. Shake Shack sauce, mayonnaise, ketchup, mustard, dill pickle, garlic powder, paprika, pepper. So a little bit of a variation. In and out sauces, mayonnaise, ketchup, sweet pickle, relish, sugar, distilled white vinegar. So basically, they're all very different. I take back everything I said. But really, the baseline is like, okay, Zaxby's and Shake Shack is mayonnaise and ketchup with a variation of garlic powder, paprika, pepper, spices, whatever. Zaxby's has Worcestershire. Shake Shack has mustard. Big Mac and In-N-Out are pretty similar with um, mayonnaise, relish, ketchup, garlic powder, whatever. Um, But... Big Mac has barbecue sauce in it, and In-N-Out does not. In-N-Out has vinegar. I actually think In-N-Out's the best one of all, and it's the simplest recipe of mayonnaise, ketchup, relish, sugar, white vinegar. Though I swear there's garlic in there, too. Um, those four sauces are outstanding. I will get them. I would. I like to get an extra side as well as have it on the burger. Um, the In-N-Out animal-style fries come with that sauce on the fries if you ask for them animal-style, also with onions, I believe. Um, the in and out secret menu is such like a charade. It's like not that secret. <laughs> you guys familiar with the Starbucks secret menu while I'm sitting here? Secret menu items, Starbucks. I just, it makes me laugh that people order these. Like I cannot imagine going up to my local barista that like I've been going there for six years and she still spells my name like Kit or Cat. Um, like, and I think like it's loud and they're not really paying attention, but also if I went and I was like, can I get an upside down black eyed unicorn with a twist? They'd be like, shut up. Like, here's a black coffee. Uh, I just don't. I mean, good for your Starbucks for being so open to these kooky orders. But like, these, are, these aren't that crazy. It's like blackberry cobbler frappuccino. It's like vanilla bean cream frappuccino with white mocha syrup and blackberries or biscotti frappuccino, vanilla bean with then they have you blend a biscotti in your frappuccino. Pink drink is acai refresher, coconut milk, real strawberries blended. Um, you can get a cake batter frap, an apple pie frap, a cookies and cream frap, a fruity pebbles frap, a grasshopper frap, a chocolate Dalmatian, a hot white chocolate mug with Java chips and chocolate chips. Like, do you need that in your life? Like, can't you just order the regular one? This is called liquid cocaine. It's four shots of espresso, four pumps of white chocolate syrup. I used to fill a grande cup and fill with milk. Hot tip. Don't go to a public place and ask for cocaine. <laughs> like, are you? Hey, uh, I'll get a black tar heroin venti, please. Like, no, what are we doing? <laughs> so strange. The other category I want to get into, I'm going to try to wrap this up in an hour. <laughs> Honestly, I don't, I don't know. Um, is to go a little deeper into nuggets. And I know this is dipping sauce and also condiment kind of territory, but I just want something, I want to make something crystal clear as it relates to the way we approach nuggets in this country. McDonald's nuggets belong with honey, not honey mustard, not mustard, not, not anything but pure, straight from the hive, good old fashioned honey. Those nuggets are made for it. They are slightly salty. They have one of the best crispy skins in the business. It's seasoned saltily but not over seasoned to compete with the honey and it's the perfect sweet savory combination that your family needs this flu season i don't know if we're going to the mcdonald's honestly support local business but um i just 
think if you've never had McDonald's nuggets with honey, it's just really important that you understand that they're made for each other. I'm like still laughing at how many places that garlic and mayonnaise get married. They make an aioli. It's like, oh, are you here for the bride or the groom? Oh, I'm here for the garlic. Are you here for the mayo? Oh, my God. Amazing. Don't forget to hashtag aioli ever after. Uh, But when it comes to nuggets, McDonald's belongs with honey. Wendy's nuggets are so well seasoned. They are they thrive standalone. I do not think you need to order sauce at Wendy's. And I know that's controversial, but they are outstanding dry. Their spicy nuggets are unparalleled. If not a little too spicy at times, but they just did make a huge comeback. Chick-fil-A nuggets, which I'm I'm sorry to report are third to me behind Wendy's and McDonald's. Wendy's and McDonald's are kind of tied because I like them for different reasons, for different types of hangovers. Chick-fil-A to me is very much I'm at a function and there's a large tray and I'm going to eat one of these nubbins. I will dip it in honey mustard or Chick-fil-A sauce. I was informed today upon asking my sister and sister-in-law, do you have any input as it relates to dipping sauces? And they informed me that they didn't realize that if you have two packets of Chick-fil-A sauce, it's over 300 calories. Now, you know, I don't like to calorie count or over-focus on it when we're trying to just experience the joy of food and talk about it in a way that's guilt-free. But holy cow, speak of Chick-fil-A, eat more chicken, eat less Chick-fil-A sauce. I uh, That is kind of crazy because it's a small, small amount. And then I was looking up what's in it. And it is a quarter cup honey, two tablespoons of yellow mustard, a quarter cup of barbecue sauce, a tablespoon of lemon juice, a tablespoon of Dijon mustard, and a half cup of mayonnaise. So we've got the, the, the agent of fat being mayonnaise, in addition to a sugary one with barbecue sauce, in addition to honey. It's kind of like taking every condiment, just like dumping it in a thing and sealing it with foil. I um, think it's good. I don't live for chick-fil-a sauce the way other people do like i don't think i don't think any of the fast food restaurants that have tiny packages of dressing i don't think their ranches are up to snuff whatsoever i don't eat ranch at fast food restaurants um but as it relates to proprietary sauces chick-fil-a sauce is one of the highest caliber i just don't crave it in the same way i do a wendy's nugget or a mcdonald's nugget with honey um but in the you know, in the event of a party platter, I think it's a perfectly adequate choice. And then it's kind of like, and the reason I bring up the caloric piece is because I like it, but I don't love it. So I probably can do without it because like a buffalo sauce, that's so minimal calorie wise is going to give me what I need. And actually, if anything, a Chick-fil-A. Um, so what I'll do is I'll I'll get the chicken sandwich. I'll take the bun off. I'll pour in the buffalo sauce and the ranch into the foil bag. I will shake the chicken cutlet. I hate that word or whatever. The fried chicken in, I will shake it in the bag with the two sauces. And then I will put the bun back on and eat it like it is a proper buffalo chicken sandwich. Otherwise, I do feel that Chick-fil-A is uninspired. And I know people love it. If I if I had to pick a standout star of Chick-fil-A being like the best, I'm going to pick the chicken minis in the morning. Those things are good. It's like a soft, I almost said supple. <laughs> it's a delicate cousin of, of the Hawaiian roll that's a little smaller, a little undercooked, and just has one little nug on it. Comes in a pack of four. Oh, God, with the sweet tea, there's nothing like it. I think that's where Chick-fil-A thrives. And I know people love it. I just, I never quite felt as inspired by their chicken as as many of you do. And I respect you wholeheartedly. You know, it's hard because after uh, McDonald's, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, as it relates to nuggets specifically, I'm kind of out, you know, like I, I, I what didn't care. Somebody had popcorn chicken at one point that was really not bad. Maybe it was KFC. Um, you know, KFC, Popeye's, Bojangles. I talked about Zaxby's earlier, Hardee's, like these places. I love fried chicken. Uh, but as it relates to like the best of the best, as it relates to nuggets, um, I think that you shouldn't look much farther than the first three I mentioned. I actually do think Arby's has decent chicken tenders, but I can't get into Arby's right now because you guys will torch me for essentially calling it. You guys don't think it's gas station food, which I'm shocked that you would think it's I like, honestly, I will never not be shocked. I think it's such high quality, you know, carved roast beef. It's, it's, a, it's a goddamn carvery. It's not a blimpy. <sighs> um, but 
you know, obviously there's like Burger King, but a Burger King, like, let's face it, it's America's backup plan. We're, we're never Jones in for Burger King deliberately. I respect a charbroil. I think more people should charbroil. Uh, you know, that's what Hardee's does too. Uh, you know, I, do checkers still exist? I'm not really sure. You know, I the milkshakes, what's that milkshake place? Camp out, campground, camp out, cook, cook town, cookout. They have watermelon milkshakes in the summer or something. That came to Richmond after I moved and people like were really on the cookout train for a while. I wonder if they still are. Anyways, I'm missing a lot of things. I, this, this is just one blind spot after another and I really shouldn't be coming to you as an authority and I'm not an authority. I just hope you're borderline entertained, just like even a little, just like, honestly, if you're even going to unsubscribe, I've, if you for a moment thought thought less about the quarantine, I've done my job, I hope. Um, I also made a huge oversight earlier. I think even before like ranch, I think my first foray into sauces had to be Papa John's, right? They are innovators in their own right, including sauce with every single pie and a little table that I honestly thought was like a dollhouse kitchen table. But I guess it's to keep the box from getting on the pizza cheese. Um, they also had that one rogue pepper that uh, some, you know, wild girl at your sleepover would eat as a dare because we all thought it was going to be like a habanero, but it's like a sweet pepper, right? Um, anyways, their garlic butter sauce is was definitely my first foray into dipping. Uh, you almost eat the pizza fast to get to the crust so you can dip it, which is genius because normally I would dread the impending doom of a cheeseless crust, but they made us celebrate it. And for that, we owe everything to Papa John's. Were they like canceled or me too? Now I'm I'm panicked. I feel like something happened to Papa recently. I hope not. Uh, but I I was a Domino stand for a long time. But I think kind of like vodka or Ritz bits. Like I just overdid it at one point, and now I can't eat it anymore. Uh, so I'm back on the Papa John's train. But in Chicago specifically, I will order Jets Eight Corner Pizza because their ranch is homemade and outstanding. I'm kind of worried. I just like, I, I skipped around. I mean, there's just a lot of things I like. I, 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 I mean, to go in alphabetical order, I was like, I was Googling list of dips. I'm like, what am I missing? I, but then it gets into like artichoke dip. And I'm like, well, no shit. I love a spinach artichoke dip. It's the official sponsor of like 2008 to 2012 for me personally. A toasted pita with a spinach artichoke dip. Are you kidding me? I'm in heaven. Um, it's just not something I'm dipping everyday items into that seems readily available. It must be prepared. I, how do we feel about dipping fries in a malt vinegar to five guys? You know, I, trust me when I say I, I love, uh, I, I love a five guys. My dream partnership is a, something along the lines of like be there in five guys. But, um, the problem is, you know, it's a little, the vibes are like a little more orgy than food based. And that's not the type of fast food I'm going for. Uh, so I don't know if it's ever going to work, but, um, I do love their signature item which is a paper bag absolutely drenched in grease that makes no sense no matter how many times you layer or bag it um but they always they have that vinegar there and i only eat it there but i would never go out of my way to seek malt vinegar for a fry just something that interests me i love a chimichurri i love a cocktail sauce with a shrimp uh, i mean fondue you can't even cl- what, what, what wikipedia are you kidding me you're classifying fondue here i guess i did talk about queso for roughly 11 minutes earlier i thought it was six but I, guys i think i might have been 11 I love a Mexicali dip. Oh, thank God I mentioned au jus. Would have hated to forget that. Uh, ketchup is like, I mean, do I, it, it, honestly, it, I, I want to know if it's a deal breaker if your date spells it catsup, because I think that's a big deal breaker. And it's one of those like weird alternative spellings that like people say exist, but I don't know anyone who actually uses it. Pimento cheese. Ugh, I love her remoulade. Are you kidding me? Uh, uh, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, and now I'm reading about all these different um dips and realizing I didn't really venture Eastern Europe into Middle East. Like, I talked about tzatziki, but I my husband's Lebanese. There's a garlic, like a specific garlic sauce or dip. I don't know what you call it. It's spelled T-O-U-M. It's the most pungent, dense, garlicky thing in the entire world. And it is so, so good. And every time I eat it, I forget that it's not ranch. And I eat it. I'm, one, like, half of a teaspoon is probably, like, 12 cloves of garlic. And it stays with me for days, and I'm not even mad about it. I love a baba ganoush. I love any and all types of hummus. Um, I love a tahini sauce. My God, now I just want a falafel. I, you know, could really go to town here. But, um you know, guys, I hope you enjoy talking about dips. I feel like I need to reel it in. I had up here notes. I was like, I'm going to read everybody the history of condiments. Does anyone care? If, if you were wondering, um, 
the the first condiment was salt. It's always been used as both a preservative to enhance and flavor food. And vinegar has also been used since ancient times. Uh, vin means wine in French, and iger <laughs> means sour, hence vinegar. Uh, the Romans liked condiments, um, but they were very into fish sauces. They grew mustard and were one of the first people to introduce it to Europe, as well as mint sauce. Mustard really dominated in the Middle Ages. Um, you know, Middle Ages, big mustard energy. I think that it was more so the 17th, 18th, and beyond when new condiments were invented. That's when we really got pesto throughout Italy and uh, when France really went in on a bechamel. Chutney comes from India. I have had to make that in like a HelloFresh type order. It is difficult to make. Soy sauce, also a huge fan. Really anything salty. It reached Europe in the 17th century and it became popular in Britain as well. The first known uh, origins of mayonnaise that we have is a French chef in 1756. Uh, there's many, many stories, many, a lot of lore about where it comes from. But we do have a first record of Hollandaise uh, in the mid-18th century. If you watch Friends, Monica famously uh, distinguished a Hollandaise from a Bernays. Ketchup began as a Chinese fish sauce called, called Ketsiap, and the name gradually changed to ketchup because we ruin everything. In Britain, people added other ingredients instead of fish, and uh, in the 18th century is when we first started adding tomatoes, so the original ketsiap wasn't really even close to what we have today. Tartar sauce was made in the Middle Ages, but modern tartar sauce was first made in the 1800s, as if that matters. You know, and then in the 19th century with the Industrial Revolution, uh, condiments really began to be mass-produced in factories, and tomato ketchup was a bestseller, and HP sauce was invented at the end of the 19th century, which is something that I've really only seen in the UK. It's kind of like a steak sauce, if I remember right. Meanwhile, Worcestershire, no, Worcester. Okay, so like W-O-R-C-E-S-T-E-R, like where um, uh, Holy Cross is, is Worcester, Mass. But then Worcestershire, honestly, I'm getting like a headache. You know when you say something and it like makes you cringe a little? Um, <laughs> what am I doing? This website just goes, would you also like to learn about the history of biscuits? I'm good, thank you. A brief history of drinks, like liquids? Color me intrigued. I am clicking. I... The original drink was, of course, water. Adam's ale, as it's sometimes called. Okay, thank you, Captain Obvious. Are you, like, what? Like, okay, what? Yes, Earth, fire, water, Captain Planet. Like, we get it. Um, I need to go to bed. Uh... But in the Middle Ages, apparently people drank ale, cider, and mead. Wine was the drink of the wealthy. Spoiler alert, still is. Um, young children drank milk in the 16th century. Water was too dirty to drink. Tough stuff. It honestly is like, this is like reading a, the, the lyric booklet for Chamba Wamba. It's a whiskey drink, a lager drink, a cider drink. A song that reminds them of the good times. Sing a song that reminds them of the better times. Um, I kind of wanted to make a TikTok expressing like me once I go back into a bar after being like sequestered for so long because I I'm always like raging against nightlife because it's just so many things about bars like I just hated it in my 20s but all anybody wanted to do was go to bars and like be seen by boys but like you can't talk in bars and I have nothing to no value to add to the world to like stand and stare I wanted to be like talking to people and not frat bros and like sparries and um, I, I'm, I'm abandoning ship. I was just about to tell a really bad story. Uh, I gotta go. I said I was gonna keep it under an hour. I hope this was not an insufferable episode. This was really funny to record. And it's about nothing. And I feel like I achieved it. I talked about dips for an hour. And I hope that it was a welcome reprieve from the stresses that we're enduring right now. And all I ask is that you take care of yourself. Don't let... You know, as they say, don't let the uh, sorrow of tomorrow sap today of its joy, right? We just don't know what's going to happen. And I think there's a lot of different opinions floating out there. And um, I think the thing you have to remember is that when something is unprecedented, it's very hard to adequately predict. I think it is in the favor sometimes to spook people a little bit into action. Um, but if you're already taking action, you're doing the right thing. You're being a great citizen and community member. And there's not a lot we can do but keep ourselves and our families safe, take care of those around us. If you have, you know, people you use regularly in the service industry, maybe float them the money and for an IOU so they can pay their bills in the meantime. 
think of different ways, you know, whether you're getting takeout from local places safely, curbside, be very mindful of anything you've come into contact with. I don't know. I just don't want our entire economy to collapse and everybody we rely on to be without any, you know, income. And I just, I don't know, anybody has suggestions for the best way to go about this while maintaining, uh, you know, safety and sanitation, please advise. But everybody, let's uh, look out for ourselves and each other. And I'm thinking of all of you that are solo in this. I, um, you know, I think that there's, as 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 much as people joke about being cooped up with their kids and families, I feel like, um, I don't know, I get a little jealous. Cause, like, I wish I was with my parents and my nephews and my niece. And uh, I'm lucky to have Greg and Tugboat. And if you're, if you live alone or you're single and, you know, you're not in a position where you can keep your circle tight and go visit other people very easily, I'm thinking of you and I love you. And I hope I can keep you company if you need a back catalog of content. I've literally over a week, like seven full days plus of me talking without sleeping. So if you've never listened to this podcast before, honestly, A, there's no way in hell you made it this far, but <laughs> the off chance, um, you you know, if we're going to sequester for 14 days, for seven of them, you can't listen to me talk without sleeping, which will probably last you two weeks. I would never do that to myself, so I'm not sure if I'd do it to you, but I am thinking about archiving some of my old episodes soon, so... Just a heads, but anyway, I just want you to know I'm thinking of you. I'm thinking of all of you, especially those of you that have had life-altering plans you've had to cancel, cancel weddings. I've been trying to lurk some of y'all's registries and send you stuff because I feel so badly. Um, I know how much like work and stress and planning and excitement goes into it, and it's just like you feel this loss of control. Uh, must it's just it sucks. It sucks. There's no way around it. And um, I'm thinking of everybody who is kind of. It's a obviously there's a spectrum of of difficulty and challenge as it relates to this. If we're healthy, we have everything right, but it doesn't also mean we have the nobility to carry on knowing that um, every minute of every day and every frustration we don't have that perspective to be like it could be worse, and that's kind of a nonsensical uh, argument for your mental health because we only know our own experience and pain is pain. And I just want to know you to know if you're even missing out on something that the world views as shallow. I hear you and I see you. And I'm equally disappointed with my show and what uh, might turn out to be more uh, stuff that I have planned that I won't get to do. And it does suck. And uh, but it's like none of us are really void of this. And if anything, the people still having to go into work. My God, thank you so much to nurses, to doctors, to people that are in anything administrative and social work that are teachers that are still reporting that are, um, you know, people that it's tax season, every CPA has to go in every, uh, person that's in like sanitation and like any sort of public works, government workers, people working with the elderly, people working with children, you know, even like there's still people traveling pilots and flight attendants, people that work in travel are working overtime where anybody like there's in the Facebook group, I was asking, like, who's still at work? Because I just wanted to, like, be aware of, like, who's out there on the front lines and who doesn't have the luxury of quarantining. And especially as we're complaining, being mindful of people that don't have the luxury of keeping themselves away from, you know, possible contamination. And um, we're just so grateful to have selfless, uh, qualified, strong people out there uh, keeping us safe and uh, trying to work against what is perhaps the craziest crisis we've like lived through even though we don't even know what the full you know spectrum of what it looks like and god bless to all of you out there listening i love you i'm thinking of you no matter how big or small your problems are they are real and you're entitled to feel upset about them but we will get through this and it will be fine it always is in this moment you are a-okay pour a glass of wine and let's be grateful for you know our health and as annoying as it is when people say this, all I ever want is time. Um, like Eliza Schuyler. Uh, and I think it's a weird um, time in life that's scary, sad, and weird and uncertain, but also kind of incredible um, situation where we've essentially hit pause, almost Zach Morris style on the world. And it's like, wow, to stop time as it relates to commerce, the economy, every you know school, work, what can we do with this time? And um, you know, no, there's no pressure whatsoever. Watch Netflix, relax if you want to. So many of you work so hard, so much harder than I ever would. And you deserve to zone out and just like relax and de-stress. But for some of you that are feeling a little bit restless, I think there's a lot of really interesting ways we could take advantage of this time. And, um, 
I don't know. I'm excited to see what comes of it. I'll report back. And the next time I podcast, I have a few things lined up. We'll see if I ever get to it. One is I do did sanitize my recorder and I do want to learn blank space. Uh, I won't show you that because I respect your ears more than that, which is shocking given that I just did podcast about dipping sauces. But believe it or not, I do still have some semblance of respect for your ears and uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens. But anyway, guys, I love you so much. Um, if you like, this isn't a sponsored episode, but a couple people that I work with, um, or have worked with before, like when I talk about sponsors outside of the podcast, they only pay me for that ad airspace. Like I, I don't need to do anything extra, but I do think ButcherBox is a really great solution. I do think HelloFresh is a really great solution. I do think Wink Wine is a really great solution. They all have different codes. I'll put them in the episode notes. HelloFresh, my code is be there in five F I V E then the number 10, cause it's, 10 meals free, I believe. Um, be there in five as the show is spelled number 10. Butcher box is $20 off your first shipment. And then like unlimited ground beef for the duration of not unlimited, sorry, free ground beef, like a few pounds of it for the duration of your subscription. And that code is be there in five, like just normal how it's spelled. And then a wink to get $22 off your first shipment of wine, which will like give you four bottles for like probably 20 bucks. Um, it's the code is be there in five, number five. So HelloFresh is be there in five, number 10, F-I-V-E spelled number 10, be there in five, 10. ButcherBox is be there in five, regular. Uh, Wink Wine is be there in number five. Um, And trust me when I say we go back and forth and go insane trying to make these codes consistent. And like, it's so crazy uh, how difficult it is. You'd be shocked. Um, anyways, not sponsored. Just telling you if you want delivery services, those are three really great ones. Um, I also use farmer's dog for tugboat. I've been paying full price for that for a long time. They gave me like one free shipment a year ago. Uh, but they, I think that code is be there in five. Also when in doubt, try be there in five, but also look on my website under podcast. I do have a list of codes if that helps. And it's always in the episode notes, but anyways, Take care of yourselves. Love you so much. Talk soon. And as always, let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear. There must be more than this provincial life. Just watch. I'm going to make bell my